welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast, and today I'm thrilled to have Ryan Blair on the show. I'm really grateful that he took time out of his book tour right now for his book called Rock Bottom to Rockstar, Lessons from the Business School of Hard Knocks. And I'm beyond thrilled because not only did he share some beautiful life lessons, but I really view him as an incredible business mentor. And if you guys have ever watched his documentary or gotten his books, you'll find that he is more than and open and vulnerable with sharing all of the different situations that he's been through and really has this incredible knack of finding the best in the worst. And I want to tell you a little bit about Ryan. He is a self-made multimillionaire and serial entrepreneur. He established his first company, 24-7 Tech, when he was 21 years old and has since created and actively invested in multiple startups. He is the CEO of Vicellus Science. Sciences. He took the company from near bankruptcy in 2009 with sales of $9 million to sales of $624 million in 2012 and $97 million in profit. Blair sold by in 2012 for $792 million and bought it back in late 2014. He was named Ernst and Young's 2012 Entrepreneur of the Year. And I know that you are going to be completely shocked at hearing that incredible bio when you hear his story. And I really believe that he knows in his heart that Anyone can be successful if you apply the tools and find the mentors. So we're going to talk all about that in this podcast. So without further ado, let's get started. Ryan, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Lori. It's, it's a pleasure. You know, my husband actually got to see you speak at Summit of Greatness with Lewis Howes, and he came back raving. So I've watched your documentary. We've been actually reading your book together, and I'm just like, I'm so inspired by your leadership. So for the very few people who may not know about your story, do you mind sharing a bit of your history and what you're doing now and how you got there? Yeah, Um well, uh, one, it's an absolute pre- pleasure to uh, to be on this show. Um, I'm a big fan of of uh, the Harder family, and it was it's fantastic to spend time uh, at some of the great summit of greatness with everyone in the community there. So I'm 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 uh, officially a member uh, of the team here, and I love you guys very much for for uh, for just being a part of of my extended family. I guess um, for those of you who don't know my story, uh, I uh, I had some great adversity growing up. Um, I'm the, the, the child of a, a veteran's family. My dad was in Vietnam, as was my uncle, and uh, my grandfather was a captain in, 
uh, World War II. And uh, at 13 years old, my father uh, had a, a bit of a breakdown that, that we believe is associated with his uh, service in Vietnam. And, and as a result, he left the family, got addicted to drugs. And he was an engineer in the middle class. And so that was very disruptive to us. Um, I'm the youngest of six. Uh, uh, my dad had three children uh, with another um, uh, wife. And my mother had two other children uh, other than myself with uh, two other fathers. And so it was kind of like the Brady Bunch, so to speak. <laughs> and the family disintegrated. Uh, my poor mother, who was a homemaker at the time, had to get a job uh, working at a deli, uh, just, just a little bit above minimum wage. And we were officially in poverty. Mm. And I got to see what happens when the middle class gets stripped away from you, which is an interesting thing for a child, you know, as adolescents to, to learn. I got to see the shame of, you know, the foreclosure sign being nailed to the the front door, cars getting repossessed, the furniture that we, we coveted being repossessed, and, and the same kids that used to I used to play with no longer were allowed to play with me because I lived on the other side of the tracks. So I got to see the bigotry that comes with poverty, um, and I revolted, and I also got to see the peer pressure and the influence uh, that comes in poverty as a result, in, you know, as a result of gang activity and, and crime and violence. So my, my sister's best friend, Jennifer Jordan, was murdered in a drive-by shooting when I was 13 years old. And uh, she was my first crush, the first girl I ever kissed. Mm. And next thing you know, I'm being forced to uh, retaliate and join a gang. Um, and that was, my, uh, that was my beginning of uh, illegal entrepreneurship, <laughs> uh, which I, I, uh, you know, I, I know that it's a, it's a serious subject, but all a gang really is is a group of illegal uh, entrepreneurs. There's a structure, there's a hierarchy, there's leadership, there's, you know, there's all kinds of um, uh, uh, rackets, you know, and uh, the one that I got involved in uh, that I loved the most was computers. I, uh, I, I got fascinated by them. I guess it's, I was a product of the time. And I, this was like 1992, right when the LA riots were happening. And um, I, I somehow would ditch school and, and I ended up in a continuation high school and, you know, and I would learn computers and learn to program computers. And, um, and then uh, by the grace of God, at 17 years old, my mother started dating a guy that she met at a local deli named Robert Hunt, uh, who's no longer with us. And, and he, um, he took an interest in me because my mother was so worried about me following the path of my brothers and sisters into prison and into a life of crime. My, I, I'll tell you, my sister uh, is still on and off the most wanted list for the, the county that, that we grew up in, Ventura County. And, um, you know, and so I, I know this, uh, the issue of rock bottom very well. And that's what I write about. Um, and I write about overcoming adversity. But that said, once I got a good mentor, I learned the subject of entrepreneurship. Uh, it, it was up until recently uh, that I learned how to actually spell the word entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, right. It's and, a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. And it's funny though. In our society, we don't teach it enough. Mm -hmm. um, and so, really, all I, I am in this this stage of my my career, which is let's think here, I started I started at nineteen, so I'm going on my twentieth anniversary as a um, you know, as a, as a person in my career, first as a technologist, or I should say a technician, uh, working in a data center. And then now I've, um, I've invested in a number of companies from my venture fund, hashtag one. Um, I've uh, bought and sold companies and, uh, you know, I've, I've built companies into significant, um, you know, revenue generating companies in the billions and I've exited to the tune of about a billion dollars. But what I love to do most is teach. And that's pretty much what I do is I, I learn and teach seven days a week, whether it be on in the inside of the walls of a boardroom or, um, you know, uh, 
uh, coaching the entrepreneurs I invest in or, or whatever the case is, or writing books or being on this podcast, Laurie. So that's it. That's my story. I, I know you told me to give you the elevator pitch, but I think I went five minutes too long on that one. <laughs> I love it. It's not like you can do that very quick, that, that type of story quickly. So I'm yeah. so grateful for you sharing. Yeah. So what was that? What were the, you know, cause there's people who are maybe in that position or not as bad or whatever they're in, whatever their version of rock bottom is right now. What for you was that point? Was there, did you always know, was it something in your soul that you knew that you were going to be something great or was it the mentors and examples that you saw? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I used to train at workout every single day for my prison sentence. That's how, that's how my mind was. So I wanted to, I went to juvenile hall twice. Um, and the first time I went, I was about 14 years old and they picked on me really bad. In my first book, I, I talked about the, the, the little lesson I learned is that if you let someone take your milk once, they'll continue taking it. And the, the thing that popularized my first book and crossed it over from, you know, the entrepreneurial and business category into mainstream was a simple expression that no one steals my milk, which was, I apply in business and I apply in everything in life. But I, I had no hope. I had no belief in my future. I had no tools, no resources. Um, I did have a spiritual upbringing prior to losing my father to his mental illness and his drug addiction. Um, uh, my, uh, my grandmother was a devoted, uh, 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 you know, spiritual person. And so as a result of that, I, I did have some foundational spirituality that I leaned on heavily to get through those tough times, uh, meaning prayer mm-hmm. and just, you know, and just saying, you know, there's got to be a better way. Or I, you know, I'm not living up to the, you know, the value system that I that I had been taught early on. And I even have the letters that my grandmother wrote me when I was in juvenile hall. And, you know, and she instilled in me and as did my mother, by the way, that I could be anything I set my mind to. And she still. She still will tell me that even though, and for those of you who don't know this, my mother recently came out of a coma after two years mm. and then went back into the ICU just, just when I met um, uh, Chris and the rest of the uh, Summit of Greatness family. Mm. And I, um, uh, you know, the, the cool thing was is uh, she just got back out of the ICU. And so I get to talk to her about her toughness and some of the things that she told me early on that, that, that instilled a value system or at least a, a, a simple belief system that I still lean on to this day. But there, there are a lot of rock, I've had a lot of rock bottom moments since then. It wasn't like, hey, 17 years old, I, um, I got a vision for myself. Uh, I've been working on that vision for myself every single day. And I've, 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 uh, my success today has come in inches. Uh, I've, I always tell people, I use a sporting analogy of, you know, I'm, I'm a base hitter. Uh, I never show up to the plate, you know, thinking of baseball, for example, I never show up to a plate thinking I'm gonna hit a grand slam home run. I, uh, I simply, you know, show up to the plate looking for a base hit and I strike out a lot, but you know, I, I get on base probably more than average. And as a result of that, I have a, you know, certainly above average life that I get to live. Mm. Said so many great things there, but something you said was that you have a vision for yourself. What, what is that? What does that look like? Do you tap into that every day? Yeah. Uh, you know, in 2003, I went to a seminar and, um, so the first, I, I dropped out of high school and I guess I dropped out and went to what's called a continuation high school. So a, a, with the exception of understanding how to take apart computers and how to do rudimentary programming, um, because like I said, that was, you know, we liberated computers when I used to grow up. Um, <laughs> don't worry, everybody that's out there, I've since repented and I paid <laughs> over a hundred million in taxes. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm okay with the damage I've done to society because I plan to repair it tenfold, mm. if not more. Um, but that said, um, 
I, I didn't have any basic knowledge. And I, you know, I, even in the second grade, I was held back because of dyslexia and ADD. I have a son with autism, so his name's Reagan. And so I really, I really think heavily about this subject. Um, you know, I, I, the first things that I listened to, because uh, I, I couldn't read, were tapes that my stepfather had given me, Robert Hunt, my first mentor. And it was Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale, followed by Think and Grow Rich, uh, and then followed by uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I still lean on those works today. But where I found my purpose, back to your original question, was I was in a seminar um, her name's Nirika. Uh, she's, uh, uh, been a dear friend for a long time and I hadn't known her at the time, but I'm in a seminar and she talked about what is your purpose and think and grow rich. They describe it as your chief aim in life. Mm-hmm. And I really thought about that because I thought there's gotta be a reason why I've been blessed with so many crazy adversities that, you know, that, that others, you know, that haven't. And, and frankly, there's a lot of people out there that have had a lot worse than me. Um, I've just figured out a way to make meaning out of them quickly get back up from them very fast and then, and then, you know, and, and not dwell on them or cling to them. So uh, in 2003, I wrote down my purpose statement. It was to help other people overcome the very adversities that I had overcome. Um, and I had to go through those adversities first so that I could teach others to do the same and that, so they could teach others to do the same. Uh, and then I would, uh, uh, you know, I would do so and I would make an impact, uh, uh, of a, in a million people's lives. And at that time, you know, I'd only impacted maybe a hundred people's lives. Uh, you know, because I, I just had a company with maybe 30, 40 people, uh, working for it at that time, but it was a significant company, but you know, it was, um, it was a small company. And, um, and so as a result of, of writing that purpose statement, I think subconsciously and consciously and spiritually, more importantly, I've been pursuing it ever since. And my purpose is simply to impact people's lives and help them overcome their own adversities. Uh, and I do that by twofold one telling my stories uh, two, telling other people's stories. And I tell those stories both in terms of, you know, I try to share the emotion in them because it's certainly it's an emotional experience to hit rock bottom. But I also try to um, extract the, uh, the, the tactics uh, and the strategies necessary to get out of them and get out of them quickly because, you know, uh, it's not easy to break out of, um, you know, uh, a pattern where you're, you know, you're perhaps dwelling on the past or you're in shame or grief or apathy or guilt or, you know, or any of those negative, um, energies, right? Mm-hmm. Believe me, we get them all the time. It's just, we learn how to either tune them out or accept them, heal from them and move on. And the quicker you're able to do that and the more tools you have to help you do that, the faster and you know, better off you are at helping others do the same. Mm, thank you. I, you know, it, it's crazy because looking back at my life, it's all of the things that you just feel like you would wish away in the moment that are the greatest things that could ever happen to you. But during it, you know, and I love that you said you're blessed by all of the adversities that have happened in your life. And I, I've really done a lot of research on you and it's amazing at all of the different things that have come at you, but it's beautiful how you've been able to turn them around and really be able to see teachable moments. But when you're in it, because I know some people can just be in it and it is heavy. Are there certain things that you do, or I know that you, you know, maybe you have a a great faith practice. Is there something that you rely on? Yeah. Well, one, I smile Mm -hmm. and I look up at the man upstairs or whatever it is going on. I'm like, Hey, there you are (laughs) (laughs) again. Oh, and it hurts Mm. and I feel it. And I, you know, and I, I just, like right now, like when my, uh, when my book dropped on October 4th, um, my sister calls me and says, you got to say goodbye to mom. Mm. And I, you know, I'm in the middle of a press tour and I'm working my heart out to get this book out there because it's her story. And it's mm. a story of 
all of our adversities and my son's adversity. And, and I, you know, and for those of you out there that don't understand this, uh, writing books these days is not a profitable industry. You, you either have to love it uh, or, you, you know, and, and do it because you love it or you have to do it because you love to, to hear yourself talk. And that's not why I do it. I do it <laughs> to help people. Um, and, uh, and so I'm out, I'm, I'm in New York and I'm having a debate whether or not I go on air and, uh, and how I say bye to my mom before I go on air. And, uh, in that moment, you know, I, I cried a lot, uh, more than I probably will ever, you know, want to show anybody. And in our, my documentary, you know, you could see me holding back a lot of tears, but behind closed doors, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've had to go to those, you know, those places where I've had to just get it out of me. And I highly recommend you do that. But then you got to use a tool called compartmentalization. And compartmentalization is a coping strategy. Uh, if you look it up and Google it or you, you, you read what I write about it, because I put it in the context of the adversity that I've overcome, is you open up a compartment and you feel. And you, 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 you just get, you know, you get it out. You, know, you, you cry, you soak in it, you, you get alone, and you close that compartment. And then you open up another one and you take action. Right. Whatever action steps you can take. Right. You know, and it's and, and believe me, the first couple actions you take after, you know, you've been in that that, you know, that really sad place when you're saying bye to your mom or whatever are not going to feel very strong. But you get a little bit of momentum and you get a little more momentum and you got to shut out that compartment until you're you're ready to reopen it. Uh, and then, you know, something else might hit you and you might have to open up a compartment for that situation. And in business, you know, running a large company and you know, we've invested in some very significant companies that have been making some big news lately. You know, I got to be able to close compartments quickly and open up other ones. Um, and so compartmentalization is just simply, you know, opening up a compartment, you know, and, and might even be like yesterday. I was exhausted. I hadn't been home for 17 days. I fly my son in and out to see me when he has days off of school, but his school is more important than my, my comfort and, and my desire to see him because uh, with autism, every, every moment counts, especially at the age of seven. Um, and, you know, and I was lonely on the road. And I, yesterday I, I spent the second half of my day swimming with him and playing with him and hiking with him. And, and I kept that compartment open to make sure that, you know, that, that I had made up for as much lost time as possible. I got to communicate with him why, you know, I couldn't be there every single day and and, uh, and I got to teach them and so forth. So compartmentalization is a key strategy. And there's a lot of tactics involved in that. They're very important to learn. Mm. Mm. What is your favorite part about being a dad? And what are the lessons that you're learning? Uh, all right. So that, now, you, now you, you can only see the smile on my face. <laughs> um, well, so I love the fact that I have a son uh, with autism. Because autism means I have to adapt to him 100% of the time. Mm. And I believe all teaching should be adapted to the student. Like, I don't believe we should just teach, uh, you know, a broad strategy to cover everyone because I believe every human being is unique. And I think that we miss a lot of the very unique, very talented geniuses in our society because we try to teach to, to a standard. Um, and I was missed, right? Like, and, and I'm about to go off on the education system, but I have a lot of, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, you know, most of the, my audience is 76% of which are, are uh, females. And there's a lot of single mothers that, that I have a huge admiration for because it was a single mother that helped me. Um, and, you know, and any mother that, that just really leans into their child's education as my son's mother has, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm a huge fan, but I was missed, right? They didn't see that I had some special gifts for entrepreneurship or other things to contribute. And so they put me in a, you know, in a, in a, a remedial 
uh, they put they held me back in second grade. They put me in special education. I never I never left special education from the second grade on, with the exception of three months in high school, at which point I got kicked out uh, my freshman year. So my favorite part about being a dad is teaching. Uh, and the fact that I have a son with a gift of autism, I get to learn how to teach. And it's so much fun to, you know, to see him learn something and see it stick. Like the other day, he's, he's obsessed with Five Nights at Freddy's right now. Um, and like, uh, he, he used to, he got really scared a lot. Like he got scared of the dark and that's natural for a child. And I'll grab him and hold his hand and I'll take him off the grid sometimes into the woods and things like that. And we'll walk out in the middle of the night. I'll say things to him like we face our fears in this family. And the other day, uh, he's sitting there and I saw the lesson come back hold. He's like, Dad, look, look, I picked out my Halloween costume. And he has, you know, he doesn't say it quite articulate like that because, you know, he's working through his language uh, issues. But um, and I'm like, why would you pick out, out a very scary Halloween costume? And he said, because you taught me to face my fears. Oh. And, and right. And I was just like, you should have seen me just beat me. <laughs> So that's my favorite part of being a dad is being a, being a, a teacher. And then, and then obviously uh, I couldn't do it without such an, a, a, a gift of a son. And, and obviously his mother is a huge, huge uh, supporter in my career. And, and that really helps me, um, you know, do both teach him and teach so many others. Mm, beautiful. So I am also obsessed with having mentors in my life because clearly I feel we can't get anywhere without them. And I know that you're a huge component for them as well. Where did you find them? Who's your biggest mentor? Who do you surround yourself with now? That was a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I get asked that question a lot right now. Um, and a lot of people make it, make excuses to me. Oh, I don't have a mentor. Oh, you got lucky. You know, the truth is all around us, it's like that acres of diamonds parable. All around us, there are mentors, and they are everywhere. That you just got to learn to look for them and learn to see them. Um, so, and, and in today's day and age, like when I was starting out in my career in, in 1996, 97 timeframe, uh, we didn't have Facebook or YouTube, or we couldn't follow people on blogs. You had to read the newspaper if you wanted to get remote mentorship, or buy a book if you want to get remote mentorship. So, I count I count anyone I've learned from as a mentor, and then I've been able to, uh, uh, you know, establish a network. And the, the currency that mentors use, the good ones, is generally it's time for value. So if I give you time, you're supposed to give me some value in exchange. Now, some mentors will, you know, they'll, they'll trade time for money, like consulting and things like that, which is, you know, honorable. And, and I've certainly paid people for their time on a number of occasions that, you know, like, for example, I, I hired one of Steve Jobs' uh, top uh, marketers to come educate me on how Steve Jobs thought about certain things. That was a, every dollar of that was well spent. Um, uh, now some people are probably sitting there saying, Hey, I can't afford to hire that person, but you can't afford to read that person's book in most cases. And then once you've read a person's book or you've read their blog or you've watched, you know, their, their, um, or you listen to their podcast like yours, Lori, then you might have context for how to approach them. And then once you have that context, like what, what, what really makes them tick? And for me, it's anytime somebody is giving to a charity, I'm passionate about whether it be their time, um, or their, their energy, or their intelligence, or their passion, you know, they trigger me to want to give to them. So that, that would be one uh, vehicle to me. Um, but then others I've approached, like for example, um, I got a call from RFK, you know, uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., um, uh, you know, the other day, and he asked me for mentorship. And uh, I was floored, right? This is, mm. you know, this is one of the um, you know, one of the, the, the signature people of our time and the fight against environmental pollution and a variety of other things. And he's taken on a, a project and he asked me for mentorship in terms of 
how um, he I, he should approach social media and some of the other things uh, that you know that us younger folks know a little bit about. And so you know, I try to mentor others as much as I, I uh, seek to receive it. Um, and the reason why uh, I was there, and the reason why Bobby Kennedy got my name and wanted to talk to me, was because I had mentored somebody that crossed into, into paths with him. Mm. So I think it's all just about giving first and then asking second. Mm. So I give first as much as value as I possibly can, and then at one day down the road, I'll either receive it back without asking, or when I need a favor, I'll call up a person and say, hey, I need some help. And I've had so many blessings like on this book launch of so many people leaning in to help me, uh, you know, get the word out just because, you know, I've, I've done my best just to give first and I do it without agenda. I know that if I give to the right people uh, with, the, you know, and I give them my energy and I give them whatever I got, then I know that it'll come back to me full circle, tenfold. But the more that you suspend when that um, IOU gets checked in or cashed in, the more it comes back to you. And the bigger it comes back to you in general. Mm, awesome. So what are the main messages that you want like, people to mainly get out of this book that you just wrote? So from rock bottom to rock star, if there was yeah. just some main themes that you want people to take away. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a number of main themes. But, you know, um, one of the things that's really sticking right now is the lessons that they don't teach you in business school. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I, I, I did end up going to business school. But um, uh, I ended up leaving my fresh, uh, I'm sorry, my senior year after uh, I got into Cal Lutheran University. Um, and I learned more uh, in practice than I did in theory. So that's one theme. Um, the other would be, uh, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they, they don't realize that they just need to start now. And if you take enough of a time horizon, like you look out 10 or 20 years, your whole life is going to change. Um, you know, if, if you take daily action for a consistent period of time, it is almost nearly impossible for you not to get success uh, sometime before the end of your life. Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of times people, they procrastinate, they get, they get sucked into uh, noise or, you know, politics or this or that, when what they should be doing is working on their personal growth their businesses, their career, their goals, their ambitions. Um, the, other, the other thing is, you know, it's liberating when you, when you share with people your rock bottom moments. And so I, I love writing about, you know, rock stars, but the type of rock stars that, that I love writing about are the ones that are, you know, the single mother that, that, you know, made sure that her child got all the education her child needed to get into whatever school her child needed to get into, or the father that, you know, was there, uh, you know, for his son or the, the pastor or the, uh, you know, the, the entrepreneur or the, you know, the, the millennial entrepreneur, whatever it is. I like, I get more pride now out of helping people become rock stars in their own right than I do, you know, having those moments myself, mm -hmm. having had, a, you know, a fair amount of them. Um, and, you know, and I guess the last theme that, 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 that I would say is I want to give people, you know, the specifics, like exactly the action steps necessary to become whatever success you want to become. And uh, I've learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes uh, and certainly in business and, and, and you know, and I've, I've learned all kinds of things about myself on this journey. And I like to share what I've learned and how I've learned it to either one, help people through their, uh, you know, with their own journey, help people through their own mistakes or help them not make the mistakes that I've made. Mm. So I know to get to where you are in just 
in, in order to even have a business at all, we have to know our strengths and we have to know our weaknesses. So what are some of your strengths and weaknesses and how do you mitigate them? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's funny. I, I write about this as well a fair amount. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I recently dove into a concept called strengths finder. Now, for those of you out there, I make no money referring this whatsoever. I've, I've utilized your organization a lot. Um, uh, but I want you to understand. So I, I, it was an epiphany to me that it's it basically it's a test you take uh, online and it tells you your strengths uh, and it's your perception of your strengths. And the number one thing that popped up for me was competition. Uh, but the concept is, is that you have a uh, you have a balcony in your strengths, which is where you're at your best. And then you have a basement and then, you know, you have one through 34 strengths and the very bottom of your strength list, you're probably never going to make them a real top strength. And so you might as well not spend a lot of time there with the exception of making sure they don't, you know, sabotage mm-hmm. your top strengths. Like for me, one of my very bottom strengths is communication. Mm-hmm. I don't value responding to text messages in two minutes. <laughs> and some of my friends really value that. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're like, you know, why didn't you text me back the other day? And I'm like, well, because I didn't care to, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's better to do, right? Like, you know, the president called and I didn't have to. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So now that might really offend some people. And so I've worked on my communication skills to make sure that I don't destroy friendships by telling them how I really feel about their, their strength of communication. So, but competition is my top strength. Uh, but it also has, you know, and at its uh, on its balcony, meaning when it's at its best, you know, I'm competing against myself. I'm trying to beat my personal record for yesterday. I'm doing more push-ups today than I did yesterday. I'm 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 eating cleaner and living healthier. I'm I'm giving more. Right? That's a competitive mm-hmm. strength. Um, now, in its its basement, which is when it, that strength is a weakness, you know, I'm uh, perhaps getting into a lawsuit with somebody that I should have, you know, I shouldn't even have the, 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 you know, that's undignified, for example, if somebody, you know, threatens to sue me and I threaten to sue them back and next thing you know, I've got all kinds of stupid things that I'm involved in and it's just because I let my competitive strength become a weakness. Mm. And so the thesis behind it is, is that every one of our strengths is a double-edged sword. It's equally a weak weakness, but we have to learn that and we have to make sure that we put ourselves and surround ourselves with other people. And so the last thing I'll say on the subject is, the way I mitigate my weaknesses is I just get people that are very strong where I'm weak. And then when I see things breaking down in my life, because I run you know, an organization uh, where I'm weak, I try to find other people to fill those holes. So like, you know, communication back to that one, you know, I, I need to communicate more and more and more and more the, 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 the you know, the stronger leader I become, because that's what leaders do is communicate. Mm. And so I need to, you know, hire a communication team and make sure that, you know, that I, I get better at that myself specifically so that way I can, you know, because you can't outsource your weaknesses, but you can learn them, learn your deficiencies, and then get other people to help you where you're deficient. But a lot of times people just try to go hire their way out of it. That's not the case. you got to go study it, understand it, and then hire the right person or uh, recruit the right person in, in different forms of leadership to help you with that particular weakness. Mm, awesome. So we learned that if we want to get a hold of you, we have to text you about competition. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's, a, there's a gal that's part of Summit of, Elaine, uh, Summit of Greatness named Elaine, who uh, she basically, uh, uh, she bet me that I wouldn't communicate with her consistently at least three or five days, uh, seven days a week. Uh, and I was like, okay, now now we're talking. <laughs> I was like, all right, what's the bet, right? And yes. she's, like, yeah, what? she's like, well, what charity... And she said, what, uh, 
like what charity, anti-charity would you despise giving money to? And I'm like, okay, she's got, she's figured me out completely to get me to communicate with her consistently. Um, but that's the key, right? You got to figure out everybody has strengths. You have to figure them out and everybody has weaknesses and you don't want to try to get somebody to adapt to your strengths because if somebody's weak in communication, you know, you're never going to get them to be as good as you if you're strong at it. So you want to basically try to understand their strengths, have them understand yours, and then team up with them and partner. Uh, so that way you guys are both playing in your strengths. And then you're, all, you're also able to augment each other and, and amplify each other uh, because you don't necessarily have the same strengths and same weaknesses. Mm, that's, been, that's just been so key for my life and relationships and business is just understanding what people even, how, how people want to be recognized and appreciated. The other day I had said something about, I love cards. Like I love receiving cards. And I literally just went to my mailbox and had like 10 cards in there. I was That's like, awesome. yes, people listen. It was amazing. Yeah. All right. So what is making you the most happy right now? Yeah. You know, the other day, so I, uh, I, 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 uh, I had an amazing experience at a book signing. I stayed there for about six hours, five and a half hours or so signing every book. And I used to just like sign R and, and then, you know, smile, take a picture and move on. And I thought to myself, all right, Get, I asked each person to tell me something about themselves uh, that, that they needed help with. And I just wrote them a passage. And I, 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 you know, I, I love writing. That's my favorite thing to do um, uh, ever since I was a kid. And so I sat there and, you know, and, and blessed the people that, you know, the thousand or so people or whatever it was that were waiting in line for hours. But I customized everybody a little card, so to speak, as you, know, as you referenced. Uh, and I just got to see people you know, receive that. And some people were really moved uh, because of it. And so to me, learning that, you know, I could write a few words, give a person a hug, uh, you know, and, and maybe lift them up a little bit and give them something that, that they can lean on. Because a lot of people out there, they don't have anything that they can lean on. And so if I can, if I can be that crutch uh, to as many people as I possibly can, that's what's making me really happy right now. I love it. I'm thrilled to do it. What's your definition of success and do you think it's possible for everyone to yeah. be successful? Yeah, I wish I, I'm in my home office right now. I wish I had it. My definition of success was given to me by coach John Wooden, the UCLA legendary coach. Uh, he's as close to a saint as life could be. Um, he lived a, a perfect life as far as I could see. And I, I had the pleasure of being mentored by him a couple of mm -hmm. times before he passed away. And he said, Defini definition of success, I'll paraphrase it, but I suggest every listener here to look it up. But he said, the definition of success is the fulfillment of knowing that you've, uh, you've done your best, basically. Um, and John, uh, Coach John Wooden has so many um, uh, great uh, uh, isms that I lean on to this day. But, you know, that's it. Just knowing that you've done your best, right? Like, I failed. You know, I, I, I may not hit a goal. And I certainly you know, haven't hit every goal that I've wanted to achieve in, in this book campaign that I'm doing right now because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fighting a good fight against a lot of noise and a lot of negativity out there, but I'm still fighting. And I, but I know I've done my best, right? I know that I've done everything. I put it all on the floor and I continue to, and I'm going to keep pushing as hard as I can. And, you know, and, and sometimes the stars align and sometimes they don't, but I know that if I keep pushing, I'll get there. And, you know, this very podcast and people like you, Laurie, are, are a godsend to me right now. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's my definition of success is just knowing that you're doing your very best. Mm. Is there anything that you feel or you're trying to let go of or forgive yourself for in order to just be able to feel more free? Yeah, I, I, I have, I've let go of a few things. Um, I've reestablished a relationship with my father 
that uh, I, for, I always forgave him ever since, you know, I think my success started to take off and, and, uh, and nothing to lose in the epilogue. I, I, I talked about the email or the, yeah, the email that he had written to me in 2004, I think, that wound up, uh, I wound up receiving in Montreal when I was traveling. And I wrote right back to him, I forgive you, your son's a success and, you know, and take credit for that. Uh, cause I wanted to release him in the event that he, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't live another day past that moment. I, I didn't, which I had no idea of his health or anything like that. I just wanted him to rest in peace regardless. And so he's been reaching back out to me on Facebook and, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm planning a rendezvous or a meeting with him, mm. uh, for the very first time since I was 13 years old. Uh, and so, you know, um, it's a, that's, that's one of the things that, that, you know, that, that I believe will help me uh, further my, my journey. And, uh, and I can't wait to give him a hug. Mm, I love that. So Ryan, where can we find you, follow you, get your book? Yeah. If you just go to rockbottomtorockstar.com, you can find me and everything I'm up to. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, my book is on, uh, it's everywhere where books are sold. Amazon. Uh, and I believe if you go to ryanblair.com or rockbottomtorockstar.com, you can see all the links to the great retailers that are out there supporting me. And, and if you have read Nothing to Lose, I, I could really appreciate the reviews. Um, anytime, you know, as a, as a writer, anytime somebody reviews me and gives me some positive push out there, it gives me, you know, just it lifts me up just a little bit more to go out there and make a bigger impact. So whether you've read Nothing to Lose or you've watched the documentary or you've you follow me on social media or whatever it is, any lift you can give me, I could use all the help I can get. Ryan, I'm so grateful for you. I just want to acknowledge you. I always ask a final question, but before we do that, I really just want to say just in the bit that I've gotten to know you, not even personally yet, I'm so grateful that you share so vulnerably and you really show everything that you've been through and all of your growth and what you're doing and you're showing that you're human. And I just think that that is... I've been able to learn from you and have you as a mentor without you mentoring me. So thank you so much yeah. for that. I'm just so grateful for you. Uh, thank you. I, I, Lori, I'm grateful for you and your husband. I mean, you guys, you, I was, it was so cool. Like I just got all these hugs and I, <laughs> not, in fact, I, I went to an event. I hugged every single person. I used to not be a hugger, but now I'm a hugger. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Those events will do that too. You're like, Oh, yeah. this is really good. <laughs> yeah. It was good. You know, we all need to, we need to give each other as much energy as we can. I know you can get like high off hugs. All yeah. right. So final question, you are on an elevator with someone and you only have like 30 seconds with them and they look over at you and they say, Ryan, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Give, give, give back, go, mm. Go to a elementary school, an orphanage, um, go to uh, 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 your church and just if, spend an hour, two hours, five hours. If you have free time, if you're spending any time watching television, take that time, throw it in the garbage and then go give it to somebody uh, who, who is more blessed or needs your blessings and that is less um, blessed than you are. Mm -hmm. So that'll make you happy every time, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Mm, beautiful thank you so much and you guys if you loved this episode as much as i did make sure you share it and until next time earn your happy bye everyone thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the earn your happy podcast i am so glad that you stopped by if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest, 
thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.